Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox, the only podcast that teaches you how to be the main character in your life. Here, you can find all the tools and skills you need to decenter men, center yourself, and feel good about your life. Here's your host, researcher, observer, and marketer, Charlie Taylor. Hey, honeys. I'd like to welcome you to episode four, titled Being Your Authentic Self. Um, so I, I want to start with some background context. So as we know, 2020 was a challenging one. In 2021, the verdict's still out. Um, but we experienced and are currently experiencing a pandemic, the rise of fascism, unchecked racism, and the economic fallout of it all. And personally, I was going through moments of expansion. You know, while all of this shit was happening, I went through moments of challenge and failure. It felt like for the first time in a while, the illusion for like society, the illusion I sold myself, the illusion around other people was suddenly removed. I felt like I could see clearer. And I realized that we all had to face our truth and clean up our shit. Now, we have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do in our society, and I'm hopeful that it can get done. I know personally, my listeners and my followers on Twitter and Instagram are doing their part in the world. I always receive messages from them on how they are contributing good to the world, how they are doing their part in um, destroying structural uh, oppression. And I encourage you to find your lane and contribute in whatever way you can. Um, one thing I realized when this was when I was like in my real radical days is that people, people are soldiers in different fields. You know, you don't always have to be on the front line. You can be a soldier in academics. You can be a soldier in beauty. You can be a soldier in fashion and STEM. You take your industry in your field and you try to hold the door open for other people and you try to excel and ascend so that you can be in charge of destroying whatever pipelines that keep the status quo. Um, and that's how you find your, that's how you contribute good to the world. You find your lane and you work. Um, individually, um, as a part of cleaning up my shit, one of the first decisions I made after, you know, destroying the illusions, seeing and after having a lot of clarity, is requiring that I show up authentically. Um, that's a requirement for my life from now on. And I had many revelations, I had many challenges, and I'd love to share these revelations and these tools and tips that I've developed on living in a beautiful, authentic life. So I started this idea about authenticity I started research you know I started to look at movies and television shows and people who I admired um, who don't really require anyone's approval you know I looked at the likes of Issa Rae who though self-proclaimed awkward she used something that is typically viewed as a hindrance to levy her own web series, TV show, acting career, and finally she has a production company, which I think the title is so cute, it's called Hooray, and it's H-O-O-R-A-E, like her last name. And I looked at people like um, Jennifer Lewis, 
who has always had audacity, who has always been vivacious. And I read her um, book. And one scene that really stuck out to me was when she was 19, um, she had grabbed some woman who I believe was assisting her in an audition. Um, and she required her to do her part in order for for Jennifer Lewis to do her part. And she grabbed her before she got on the stage and she told her, if you fuck this up, I'll kill you. And this was at 19. You know, who had, and, and she's 22 when she debuted on Broadway. Can you imagine? And she sustained a career for over four decades. And we know her now as Ruby on Blackish or someone like Janet Mock whose authenticity and her skills of writing landed her as a staff writer at People Magazine. Then she moved to, to Marie Claire. Then she had two New York Times bestsellers and they're really good books um, that, you know, explains or uh, describes her, her um, life and her childhood growing up. And then she becomes the first trans woman of color hired as a writer for TV. And then she becomes the director of that TV show, Pose. And I chose these black women in particular in, in an industry that's really hard because I realized that in an industry where no is typically the first response, they've been able to use their authenticity to be ushered in, to excel, to grow, and people have invested in them because they've been their authentic self. And from the observation of these people and others, you know, characters like Samantha on Sex in the City or how Tracy Ellis Ross lived her life. Um, and, you know, uh, some observations from me, I came up with a, a couple of ideas that I want you guys to think about and just kind of always have in the back of your mind when you're when you're being courageous enough to be authentic. So number one, when you are authentic, your path typically meets you. You know, there were a certain pattern of yeses and nos that got Issa, Jennifer, and Janet where they are now. And those yeses and those nos came from their core being, who they are, or who they thought they could be, or the person who they had the audacity to dream they could be. And as they made decisions from that space, their path kind of revealed itself. You know, Issa, she did this web series. I'm sure she didn't know that it was going to propel her to the stratosphere like this. But because she made those choices, it did. And Jennifer, the same way. I'm sure when she was auditioning, I'm sure when she moved to New York, she was, you know, she believed in herself, but she didn't, I'm sure she didn't think like, hey, I'm about to debut on Broadway and I'm going to have a four decade career where I'm still, where I've been known in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now. I'm sure she didn't think that, you know, this was going to be her path. But because she made those choices, those yes and those no's, and was authentic and kept, kept being herself and kept going back to her source, she did. Just like Janet. Janet loved to write, and she wrote. And when she wrote, she spoke about her authentic, authentic self. And that, you know, debuted in Marie Claire. And from that was a book. From there was another book. And she went on lectures. And 
she became this voice and an activist. And then she started to create these beautiful visual works where we could see complex characters of identities that we have not seen on TV like that. So I say this all to say that as you become your most authentic self, your path typically meets you there. And the analogy that I love to use is like floating. When you are floating, you have to relax into your body. And as you relax into your body, the water supports you and just kind of pushes you along the way. And that's what authenticity is. As you be in your body, as you live in your body, your path kinds of kind of holds you up, supports you and pushes you along the way. The next point I want to make is that showing up authentically, it really does pay well. People pay a lot of money to have these women on their shows because they have something special. You know, you watch Insecure because of Issa's perspective. You watch Jennifer Lewis because she shows up on the screen and you have no choice but to remember her. We watch Pose because it's a brilliant piece of work. And because these people are their authentic self, people pay them well because they want them in all their glory. And not only that, they are willing to invest in them. When Issa was a web series, Pharrell put his money into her to develop the web series to be to have more production value. And I'm sure it helped her pitch, pitch to, to different networks for which she landed at HBO. You know, Jennifer Lewis, when she first um, got on the screen, she they had to teach her how to get on the screen because she was a Broadway actor and theater actors. Um, they act that their acting is way different. It's different from being on screen. She was projecting. People were like, you don't have to do all that. She was having extravagant movements. You don't have to do that on TV. So they invested in teaching her how to act on TV and on movies. Janet Mock, she was a writer. Ryan Murphy, he invested in her, taught her how to write for TV, then put her through a directing training camp, and now she's a director. Showing, showing up authentically pays well, and people will invest in that. And not only does it pay monetarily well, it pays emotionally. It feels good. It feeds your happiness. And that brings me to point two. Living inauthentically is an unhappy experience. It really is. And the example I like to give about how living inauthentically feels is, um, have you ever agreed to do something you didn't really want to do? Like if your friends wanted to go to a party and you were like, ah, oh, man, I really want to stay in. I'm tired. And they beg you. And you say yes. And, you know, I know some stories they say, oh, I had the time of my life. But there are those stories where people don't have the time of their life. Where, you know, some fighting happens. Your girl gets too drunk. You got a babysitter. You got to take her home. You know, somebody's car getting wrecked. And you have all of these 
experiences and you just go back to yourself and you say, man, I should have stayed home. I should have listened to myself. I should have just gone for what I what what I wanted. That's how living inauthentically feels. You show up every day agreeing to everyone's terms. If they want to go here, you go there. If they give off an energy that is active, you meet it. If they say they like this, you agree. If they want to do whatever it is they want to do, you agree with it. There is nothing about this experience that is yours. You you play along with it. You help. You solve problems. You pretend to enjoy it. But secretly, you're pissed about it. Or you're lonely because you're not able to connect deeply because you're never being yourself. And as you neglect your needs to be amenable, you are engaging in one of the most consuming tasks. You are splitting yourself in two. And what I want you to do is to think about what type of energy that requires to split yourself in two. When you split yourself in two, you are actively denying your urges. Then on top of that, you are anticipating others' needs. And finally, you are adapting to them as if they are your own. You convince yourself that what you are doing is of your own volition when really you're just trying to make people like you or you're trying to be a people pleaser or trying to get something out of someone. So now you have a split. You have a you that you suppress, that you deny, that you ignore, and then you have this other person who adapts to everyone else. And this is a confusing state of being because it's one of the reasons why you never, ever, ever, ever know what you want or why you consult friends or why you're indecisive because 85% of the time you are someone else, you're putting on a mask and that person shifts depending on the audience that you're around. So how are you to know yourself when you are constantly being like, uh, adaptive or not even adaptive when you're constantly transforming yourself to be what you think people want of you and I know people when I say this you know I've, I've been talking about living an authentic life with my friends with strangers um, just kind of like doing research through conversation and people say well Charlie We got to do things to get what we want. Sometimes we have to put on a happy face to get the things we want Um, because that's how society is set up, set up. They reward certain behaviors. They ignore others. And I'll say that is true to an extent. Companies, they do tend to promote extroverts. Um, If you are starting a business and you're looking for funding, extroverts do typically obtain funding the most. So you may have to pump yourself up every now and again to get the things you really want, but I wouldn't make that a state of being. A lot of you are living permanently in this state of being where the only person who knows your authentic self is you. And that is kind of a lonely place to be. Even in professional settings, I would kind of, you know, I know that professional, well, we all know that professionalism is rooted and um, racism and capitalism, you know, all of the structures is rooted in that. We know that. But we also know that professionalism um, is one of the things that help us do get promoted. But I will say um, I am doing my best to try to curve that 
that code switching experience because I realized that no matter how much I code switch, the barriers that slowed me down were always still there. You know, I'm a black, I'm black and I'm a woman. So that means like, uh, you know, my code switching, it may help, but you know, if I'm firm at work, I'm going to be perceived as a bitch. If I'm soft, but tough, I'm going to be perceived as a mother or a mammy. And the truth is that no matter how much maneuvering I am, how firm I am with my boundaries, how um, articulate I am, or whatever it is, all these standards that really are nonsensical, that really has no, uh, all these standards that are, are nonsensical, um, it don't really change people's mind. You know, either people want to, either they want to give you the opportunity or they don't. They want to listen or they won't. They either see you as valuable or they don't. And no amount of code switching, being softer, being nicer, being more personable, um, no amount of that is going to change how people feel about you, especially if where their perception is coming from stems from a stereotype of racism or any other type of ism. You know, nothing's going to change that. And furthermore, people don't really trust when, if they see you behave differently around others, people don't really trust you. They don't see you as someone who's trustworthy, who's value. They don't see you as a stand-up person because your values, your morals, and your personality change, changes based on the company. It, and I will even take it a step further. Um, you're doing all this to be liked, to be cared for, to be invested in, um, to be given opportunities. But, you know, what you're saying to yourself, the person who I am now would not be able to get these things. Um, I have to change who I am to get these opportunities. Um, And that points to a self-esteem, a self-worth issue. It really does. Because you aren't just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, you are doing it because you inherently believe that who you are, the person who you are, um, isn't good enough or isn't likable or isn't, no one is going to want to pour into who you are. And that's a lie. That's a lie that you are holding onto. That's a core belief that you are holding onto that is stopping you from being who you really are and is stopping you from liking yourself. Like you can't, you're not liking yourself because you think inherently as you are, it's a disruption. And as a result, you're changing your behavior. You're changing your behavior to be what you think the people around you would like. And you don't really know that. You don't really know what they would like. You don't know really what they would gravitate towards. You're just making an assumption. So those were kind of some of my revelations that I made. But I really want to focus on um, the steps or some of the tools that you have to have in order to live a beautiful, authentic life. And one of these things is you have to be compassionate to yourself. You just have to be compassionate. You have to be kind. You got to hold yourself up like a baby. 
Because right now you're in this process of doing something that you've never done before. And that's be authentic. And you may not understand all of your emotions right away. That may frustrate the hell out of you. And that frustration may lead to self-criticism, may may lead to you beating yourself up. And you got to stop yourself from doing that. So the best way to stop yourself from doing that is by being compassionate. You know, it may be initially hard, but you have to give yourself some grace so that you can have the time to differentiate your voice from the mask you've been wearing. You have to tell yourself, it's okay. When you figure it out, we'll act. But we're going to give us some time, some space, and some compassion to figure it out. Number two, be comfortable with no. And this is like one of those rules that I've always put in my writing, in my books, in my podcasts. You have to be comfortable with no. You can't be timid or fearful with the word no. Because people think if you are timid with the word no, that that means that you can be flexible. So they'll try to push and see how far they can go. And you just can't allow that. And you have to understand that your nose is not going to result in someone abandoning you. Um, it's not going to result in someone retaliating or any like any fear you have about that no, it's not going to happen. And if by chance it does happen, this is something you want. If you say no to certain things to protect yourself and someone feels that they have to have a right to that, that they have to have a right to um, disrespecting your boundaries, that you have to be flexible in that way, you kind of don't want those people in your life. That's not a plus. That means that they're going to constantly challenge you. They're going to take from you. and You don't want that. So be comfortable with no. It's okay. No is fine. No is your friend. No stops people from exploiting you. Say it. Number three, accept yourself. Uh, People can't say no because they can't accept themselves. They can't accept their needs. Accept yourself, accept your needs. You're not a burden. You aren't asking for too much. You aren't ruining the mood. You aren't doing too much. You are a person. And every person on this earth has requirements several billion people on this earth and they have family friends and co-workers who all make space for them why are you the exception why are you the person who no one wants to make space for you see how that that self-esteem that core belief comes up you think that no one will make space or room for you so you hide yourself Number four, be okay with disdain, awkwardness, and insecurity. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Um, On Twitter, all day, every day, I read about uh, people venting and complaining, which is, they're they're right. Um, But I still get annoyed by it. People venting and complaining about no one supporting them. Um, no one, yeah, no one being their support system. It's basically no one, that's the, that's the complaint. No one is being their support system. And this is the thing. Um, lying is very common. It is. And when people come in contact with an authentic person, they either 
do two things. They either admire it or disdain it. Um, and people with big, weak boundaries often disdain it. They either see it as an attack on them or an indictment on their character. So they get very defensive about your authenticity. And this is where you have to be comfortable with other folks' awkwardness. You know, when you are being your authentic self, when you're saying, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go over here. Um, you might have a reaction like, why? Do you think you're better than somebody? Or, you know, it, 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 something to that that tone. And what it is, what they're doing is they think by having a hissy fit that you'll change your mind about what you want. And when you're firm in who you are and you're authentic, you're not going to change. Um, so you have to be okay with waiting reactions out, with sitting in awkward silence, with being okay with someone else's insecurity. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to take abuse or anything like that, but you can sit in silence and wait until they're done and still be like, okay, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. You ain't going to argue. You ain't got to get nobody on your side. You don't have to fight so that people can see your point of view. You can just sit in that awkwardness, in that anger, disdain, insecurity. You can sit in that, sit in that with them. Wait till they're done and continue to do what you want um, because that's your right. And that is something that's going to be required for being your authentic self. It's just waiting it out. Okay, I hear you, but I'm still going to do what I want. Okay, I understand. Um, that's, you know, that may be some criticism, but I don't feel like it applies to me. So I'm not going to use it. You have to be okay with doing that. And once you're okay with doing that, there's going to be some awkward emotions behind that from other people. And you just got to be okay with that. And that's okay. Number five, you can make being authentic a person, a process. So when I say, when I talk about, when I have these talking points about being authentic, people jump up the next day and be like, all right, I'm about to be authentic. I'm saying no to everybody. Fuck everybody feelings, blah, 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 blah. Um, I applaud the enthusiasm and that's great, but that type of process may have adverse effects. And I personally don't like battling people all the time. You know, I like to unravel and unroll and create my space. How that's how I create my space. Cause I used to fight all the time. I used to be like, I'm going to bogart my way into every environment and I'm going to create space. And if you don't like it, fuck you. I don't care. And that, that kind of got tiring after a while because I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to battle you. I'm not going to fight y'all all day long. I have other shit to do. So I started making being authentic a process. You know, I started going. My first step was just like disagreeing like articulating my type my taste if my friend said oh I didn't like that and if I liked it I'm not gonna agree with her I'm just gonna be like well actually I liked it um but tell me why you didn't like it and I can understand it or I, I can listen to it but okay you know that's her point that's a point of view that's her opinion but I still liked it you have to be comfortable with dissension 
You have to be comfortable with slow, with a slow process of dissension. Or you can go fast. It's really, it's a, whatever spirit you have to, to do this, do it however you want to. But one of my suggestions is, um, un- unroll, unroll, unravel. Articulate your ta- your taste, build up. And then people will start to see that that it's dissension is okay. That's the one thing that I think Twitter and social media and um this the culture is like people and now no, I say dissension is okay, but I'm not saying that you standing on a point that um harms other people's humanity is okay. I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying that it's okay to disagree. You know, I disagree with my Twitter followers or people who I follow every day. Um, I'm okay with disagreeing because their point of view is not my point of view, and that's okay. So set off, be your authentic self, and thank you so much for listening. Take care. I'd love to have a discussion. I'm probably going to have a discussion about this on Twitter um, or on Instagram. And just talk about the ways that we show up in the world. I think it's a really, really important thing to let go of the illusion and show up as authentically as you can. Take care. Bye-bye. For show notes, be sure to check out charliestoolbox.com. Follow Charlie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Charlie's Toolbox. Thanks again for listening to Charlie's Toolbox.